Welcome to Wise Up Governance and Boards podcast, brought to you by Three Wise Owls Governance Consultants, covering hot topics in governance, risk, latest regulatory changes, and issues keeping directors and executives awake at night. Here are your hosts, Ainsley Cunningham and Deb Anderson. Welcome to another episode of Wise Up. Today we're joined by Ryan Tuckwood. Welcome, Ryan. So, Ryan is one half of the Shark Tank Victors at ISR Training. ISR is a multi-award winning sales coach organisation based on the beautiful Gold Coast and they now train people across five continents. Ryan openly admits he was a reluctant sales professional, struggling initially and even sleeping on a bathroom floor at one stage. He has now coached over 5,000 businesses and individuals globally, showing his clients how to close over $1 billion in new sales revenue in the last few years alone. Ryan and business partner Jack Corbett boosted their profile in 2018 after appearing on Channel 10's Shark Tank, where they became the first company in Australian history to successfully secure the support of three Australian entrepreneur powerhouses in Glenn Richards, Steve Baxter and Andrew Banks, who now sit on the ISR board. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, nice cold winter Gold Coast day. 24 degrees outside. Uh, that's, that's cold. That's yeah. cold to me. The electric blanket is out. Um, it's always interesting hearing that that rap. Um, we, we spoke about it as a team this morning that um, very rarely do we sit back and have a look at what we've achieved and, and show a level of gratitude. And it came from um, one of our one of our guys, Chris, that I think you might know, Chris Blackburn, um, he's just moved into um, a bigger house from where he was before. And he said he had a little moment on the weekend where he was sitting there going, I've worked, I've worked bloody hard for this. Um, and he said he, did, he never does it. He doesn't actually take stock to sit back. So when you go through and you read that rap, it's, it's a mix of really awkward, just waiting um, and actually going, ah, we've, we've done all right. So thanks for the intro. Yeah, well, tell us a bit about ISR training, Ryan. Um, so in a nutshell, um, we work with um, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, sales professionals from um, all walks of life, from your owner operators, solopreneurs, all the way through to your C-suite execs, um, your corporate enterprises, ASX listed, Fortune 500 companies. Um, and we help them grow their businesses through what we call ethical sales training, which is a, a bit of an oxymoron at the best of times. Um, and um, what we've created is something called SWISH, which stands for selling with integrity and selling honestly. So it was founded, and I'm sure it will come out during this conversation anyway, it was founded um, due to a, a frustration of all the regurgitated sort of 80s sales tactics that were out there. They were teaching people to, to lie, bully, and manipulate. And what we wanted to show was that sales and communication, for, for all intents and purposes, could be done a different way um, and actually be an enjoyable process to be in as well for all businesses. Um, and that's, that's where we came from. So tell us a little bit about... Um some of the things that you've learnt through the process of um, going on Shark Tank? Uh, Shark Tank in particular, um, wow. Um, firstly, you don't get the money um, as soon as they say yes. So you don't walk behind the cameras and then they hand over a, a cheque. They hand over a piece of paper that says we're now going to go through due diligence and rip you to pieces. Um, so it, it is it is a process. It was um, what you see on the show was 12, 12 and a half minutes, I think they put on TV. Um, we were in there for just over two and a half hours in total, um, back and forth negotiating. So um, I guess one uh, myth I'll dispel straight away about Shark Tank is it's, there's, there's, there's no prep. They don't know anything about you. There's no scripts. Um, it is just hard out negotiations in there. And it's quite, quite intimidating. Um, I'm an introvert by nature. So to put yourself in that environment was pretty scary. Um, 
lessons that I've learned. Um, one of the big ones that I always always say is from Glenn Richards, so um, the the uh, founding managing director of Green Cross Vets. He says um, he said to us very early, my job as a leader is to challenge your thinking, um, and I've taken that on board for with my team. I believe my job as a leader, as a business owner, as a sales coach, is to challenge people's thinking and to raise your line of sight. Um, to, so to stop you, stop looking down and in and start looking up and out. Um, and I, me- I remember when they, they, they came to us, so we got Steve, Andrew and Glenn. They came to us once the, the deal actually went through and they asked us to come with their th- our three-year projection. And we had our three-year projection. We put it on the table and they came with their version of a three-year projection. There was about a $10 million variation in the projections. Um, and that just really hammered home for me that we weren't looking up and out. We weren't thinking big enough. So... When I get asked that question, that's probably the, the, the most common answer I give is that we, we, we think a lot bigger now, but then we're very strategic with the way that we think big as well. So it has to be realistic. Um, but having the framework, having the systems in place gives you the strategy. Um, and and that will probably be the second big message that I've got is that systems breed the freedom. Um, I know a lot of people get they, they get a bit fearful of systems um, and processes um, and, and I'm somebody that loves it because I'm an engineer at heart. I was an engineer for eight years. But having the structure of literally what is every single person doing every minute of every hour of every single day has led us to have 300% growth in the 18 months since those guys have come on board. So there'll be a couple of the, the major ones, I think. And how much input are they having in terms of mentorship and just support? Um, more than I thought. Um, the, 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 the literal answer is two hours a month. So we're supposed to have two hours per month with each of them as per their shareholders agreement. Um, what it actually turns into is pick up the phone whenever you like um, and just ask them a question, text message them. Um, but every single interaction is with purpose. Um, that's probably another real big lesson actually, that um, I've got from them is um, use, utilizing my time wisely and valuing my time. So not, not being rude or short and sharp with people, but making sure that there, there's a purpose to every single meeting. So if Steve Baxter rings me, for instance, um, I know that it's going to be a two or three minute call and it's going to be a valuable call. He's calling for a reason. We're not calling really to, to find out about how his twin daughters are or how Maverick is, my son is. Um, that is happening organically over time as we build the relationship, but there's usually a purpose behind it. So um, two hours a month is the official re- um, answer, but... They, they speak at our events, they tour for us, they do podcasts, they, um, they coach and mentor on our accelerator program now as well. So they've been unbelievable. And I think that's, that's probably another myth around Shark Tank. I think people think that they just give you the money and wish you all the best. Um, I, I cannot speak highly enough of, of those three guys. They've been amazing. And so um, as an executive and managing director for ISR Training, What's um, some of the things that keep you awake at night? <laughs> um, Pre-COVID? <laughs> well, both. Um, like, uh, you know, at the moment, um, what are the words on everyone's mind except for pandemic? Um, yeah, I think um, f- for me it was, it's responsibility. I mean, I'm, I'm not from a business background. Um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this or, or watching this that they, they, might, they might be in their first business venture and all of a sudden they've been thrown into... Um, an executive role, CEO, managing director type role, and they've got people they're responsible for. Um, and for me, having a team of people that have their extended families, their kids, we sponsor people as well to stay in this country. Like the survival of our business 
means the survival for them. So that, that keeps me up at night, especially during COVID. Like the idea that we could have lost everything and we'd, we'd put ourselves in a very fortunate position. Obviously, I could leverage off the shocks experience. They've been through recessions before. Um, and I was able to get my head around it very, very quickly and, and, and maneuver quickly. My worst case scenario is something that previously kept me up at night. My, my worst case scenario reality is, is bankruptcy. You lose everything. I go back to the UK. But the responsibility to my staff that they then lose everything as well because I hadn't made the right decisions, that 100% keeps me up at night. Um, still does a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So what are the... Um what are kind of the little um, gems of experience they've passed on to you at the moment in terms of managing through a crisis? Um, I don't know if it's a specific gem, but it's more of a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think that's what, that's what we need um, right now. I remember Glenn said to, said to us, um, your job as a leader is to absorb fear and exude hope. Um, so you absorb the fear of everybody around you. And we spoke about it previously before we came out here. Like the team expect you to have all the answers. But um, if we're honest with ourselves, we don't have all the answers ourselves. Um, but we need to create that light at the end of the tunnel. And what they did for us was create the light at the end of the tunnel that, hey, look, we've, we've been through this before. Uh, there's been recessions, but there's been crashes before. And they, they just basically showed us the history of what happened after a big crash. And what that did for me was give me a, um, a sense of hope. So I then unexplained that to my team and said, look, we will come out the back end of this, but what we need to do is um, risk mitigate where possible. We need to lean everything up. Right now, the, the market is going through grief. I mean, if we look at the, um, the, the, the change curve um, or the grief curve, we, we're, in, we're in a state of shock and we're in a state of grief and we're just not, we're not spe we weren't spending at the start of April. But they said, historically, that, won't, that will last a couple of weeks, which it did. Um, and then we saw buying behavior start, start to resume, which... When they tell you that and then the first bit happens, that gives you another little bit of trust. And then they tell you something else and then you get more trust. And then eventually you just start buying into everything that they say because these guys have created billion-dollar empires, right? So um, for me, they, they created um, a light. They created hope for us. And they told me to be super patient. Um, they explained that we shouldn't be trying to sell hard to people, which we'd never done. Swish selling with integrity, selling ethically is is what we believe sales should be anyway. So I believe that the market has been forced to sell in a way that we should always be selling. So they, um, um, Andrew Banks kept saying, communicate 10 times more with your prospects than you have been already. So I've got my daily non-negotiables, which I think you guys know about. I've got my 10 daily non-negotiables. That previously was to touch base with three of my current prospects um, every single day. Um, so prospects or indeed current clients. Um, we put that up to 10 people a day. Um, and that came from Andrew. He's like, reach out to them more. Ask them what's going to change for them in the future. What can you do for them right now? Um, and we created more value in the market. So we were recent and frequent um, because they knew an upturn was going to come. They knew stimulus packages were going to come. They knew that JobKeeper, we didn't know what it was at the time, but we knew something like that would come and that would fill the market with confidence, which it did. And then when the market's ready, they'll start spending and they'll spend with the people that were there for them, the ones that were, that were trying to give, not take during a time of crisis. Um, and we did all that um, and, it's, and it's working. And we've see, we saw a tremendous back end to April. Um, May has started phenomenally as well. Um, we did a 14 day sales challenge, which you guys know about. And we had an, almost 700 people in total register for that in the space of less than 10 days, um, which shows that the market is also shifting to online training as well. So um, I guess if they're little nuggets, that's they're definitely the sort of practical things that they gave us that, that created hope and, 
um, a desire to want to continue when most people want to just throw the towel in. Yeah, absolutely. And how have you found, um, you know, staff morale and um, I guess just the culture of having to go through this is probably the first time for a lot of your staff mm. and um, working from home and those sorts of challenges. How have you found um, leading through that? I'm pleasantly surprised. I think the, the first week to 10 days maybe um, there was a level of I don't like it. It feels weird. Um, and now if I'm being brutally honest right now, I prefer it. I'm actually, I mean, I've, as, as you know, I've got a young, young family and growing family. Uh, I've got a nice rhythm now. Um, I, the team are as productive as we've always been. The, our, our market and our clients are getting just as much service as they were previously. And if anything, I'm questioning why I've got such a big overhead for a fancy office in Surface Paradise. Um, so um, from a team morale perspective, we, 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 again, we haven't really changed an awful lot. We do our morning meetings every single day. Um, we do Monday motivation, Tuesday training, Wednesday wow, Thursday think tank, Friday fun, which is a quiz. We still do it. Um, we just do it via Zoom. Um, we do an afternoon whip every single day. Um, I talk to my team more than I probably did before. If anything, it's just very structured about when we go about it. So uh, my team have surprised me, which says that I've got the right people in the company. Um, and I think there's a level... Um, I think it was a lady called Shari, um, Shari Leviton, um, who I'm interviewing. Um, she's an American sales coach. And she said, to gain trust, you need to give trust. And what, what we do, I think, very well as an organization, we give trust to our team. We say, hey, look, the, we're an outcome-based organization. So this is what we expect from you every single day. These are your KPIs. At the end of every single day, I want you to deliver a daily feedback email to me, letting me know your productivity, your questions and challenges, and any wow factors where you went above and beyond for a client. Um, and we just trust that they do it. And when you do that and you don't micromanage them and you don't keep looking over their shoulder, they actually become even more productive. And that's exactly what we've seen. So, um, so yeah, I'm over the moon with how it's happened so far. But we are, as a caveat to that, we are going back into the office next Monday. <laughs> it's like talking to a friend because I spoke to Rob last week and we just had this long conversation. They're just, you know, mm. they're just, you've got some beautiful people working for you. Yeah, I think... Um, we, we always talk about the three P's, right? We talk about people, process, and performance. Um, and if you get the right people there in the first place, um, and if you look at all of, our, all of our staff, every single one of them has come through the program. So they've done, they've done the sales training programs with us, either physically or digitally. They've seen impact in their own life, personally and professionally. So they, they thoroughly believe in what we're doing here and, and what we're trying to achieve. Um, and when you get that, and then you put them into a process that works, and you give them a level of fulfillment, the performance just pops out the back end anyway. I think the problem for a lot of businesses, we focus on performance and we focus on profits um, instead of trying to get the process right, trying to empower your team by giving them personal and professional development. Like they, they, the, the biggest reason that people um, cite for leaving companies is that they didn't feel that they were progressing. So they were just there to do a job um, and and make one person rich. It was a pyramid scheme, whichever way I want to look at it. Um, whereas if well, we give one and a half percent of their salary back to them um, in personal development every single year that they have to spend outside of our company. Um, and that means that they're, they're going to continue to grow with us. So hopefully that's why uh, you have enjoyable conversations with the likes of Rob, who's an absolute legend, by the way. <laughs> He's just a nice guy as well. <laughs>
Yeah, well, I think it's um, testament to your business with all the awards and milestones that you guys have won in terms of, you know, um, winners of Young Entrepreneur of the Year for 2017, named in the top 100 Young Entrepreneurs in Australia in 2018 and 2019, top 40, under 40 entrepreneurs for 2016, 17, 18 and 19. <laughs> Winner of the Gold Coast Business Excellent Awards for Mayor's Innovation Award for 2017, 2018 and 2019. With Shark Tank success in 2018, Citizen of the Year finalist in 2018 and like you mentioned earlier, 300% growth in 2019. That's an impressive list of awards. Sounds all right. Um, I'm running out of years for the Young Entrepreneur one, though. Um, I was leveraging off Jack for a long time because he's uh, nine years younger than me. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm 38 this year. So you have to be under 40 to, to win any of those young, young ones. So I've got a couple more years left um, and we'll see if we can add to that list. You've got a pressure for 2020. Yeah, there, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there is. There's, uh, there's nothing in there. The most ironic one in there, I will say is the citizen of the year one so we, we we were runners up for citizen of the year in 2018 um which is beautifully ironic because i'm not a citizen so if i'd have won that that would have been fraud <laughs> but it was won by sally pearson so um she's an olympic gold medalist so fair play to sally uh, go and get it yeah you don't mind um losing to a worthy candidate do exactly you? right yeah <laughs> so tell us more about um your mission to change the perception of sales uh, how do you find um, some of your clients and their perception when they come to you versus their perception um, now that they've sort of on board and they're seeing the results from the swish methodology um yeah well f firstly the mission started because of um, my, my journey so my journey came from um, as, as I alluded to earlier, mechanical maintenance engineer for eight years in the UK, moved over here in 2010, fell into sales, kicking and screaming in, in a call center, um, absolutely hating it, $300 a day, um, had to find out if somebody was qualified for fifteen dollars to $25,000 in the space of 90 seconds, um, and massive, massive levels of rejection, which which gets to the gets you at the best of times, in, especially if you're an introvert like I was, um, or still am deep down. And... Um, what I realized when I started studying sales was it, it was, it was all the same sort of regurgitated stuff. Just say this, fabricate this, match and mirror and match. Um, and I'm like, so that mirroring and matching is essentially, you're, you're, you're actually lying. Like I, I, I was in a call center and I was hearing people say, and they were, their, their prospect was saying they've got two kids and they would go, yeah, no, I've got two kids as well. I, I hear where you're coming from. I, I, I feel felt found, all of that old school stuff. And I'm like, well, there has to be a way that we can communicate value without lying, surely. Um, and that's where the swish methodology in essence came from um, i realized there was five core fundamentals to sales your, your introduction your discovery your presentation your trial closing and objection handling and mindset so there was a common sort of thread so what i started to do was stop studying sales and start studying buying behaviors because human beings make decisions in a very similar order um, and then without going too deep into it right now um, there's four different personality types that then have a, um, a routine that they go through in their own um, buying cycle so i started to study buying behaviors as opposed to selling techniques and it totally changed the way um, i got results because now i was putting myself in the consumer's shoes um, and when I did that, I realized that all I was doing was telling my truth better. 
So I, I would then talk about sleeping on a bathroom floor, having 31 cents to my name. I, used, I was talking about my dad. My dad's been pretty sick for the last 18, 19 years. Um, I would talk about my struggles in sales. And there was a direct correlation with me being super vulnerable, super open, and my sales just going through the roof. Um, because the more I opened up, the more they opened up. Whereas what I find get taught, gets taught, um, especially from a corporate perspective, even with the enterprise companies that we've worked with, Amex, Westpac, Mercedes, that you know, put your corporate hat on, be ultra professional, you're the expert. I, I don't believe that's true. Um, and we've proven that it's not true because you're still speaking to another human being. Um, and in 2020, real recognizes real. So you can still open up and be a professional. You can still be a, a real human being and be an expert in your field. And I think that's what we've helped people do is communicate both sides of character, professional and personal, which means you get an emotional and a logical connection with somebody, which in turn increases their ability to actually make sales and build long-term relationships. So um, the biggest challenge we face is that people don't want to be in sales. Um, oh, no, we're not, I'm not in a sales position. No, I'm in customer service. I'm in, I'm in HR. I'm a receptionist. Um, I'm an administrator, whatever it is. If you have any person in your organization that has any sort of physical interaction with one of your prospects ever, they're in sales. Um, prime example of this, um, I was at Baby Bunting yesterday. We've got another baby on the way, so I had to buy another car seat. Um, the, you drive around the back of Baby Bunting um, and they have to go and they, they, they um, put the roller doors up and then they chuck the car seat at you, basically. Um, the guy just went, order. I was like, yeah, there's my receipt. Um, and he goes, okay, went and got it. Where do you want it? Well, in the, in the car, please. Um, no, no communication skills. No, how's your day going? What are you having? Baby boy, baby girl, nothing. No skills. That's my lasting memory of baby bunting as I walked out of there. Yes, they've got the sale, but will I go back there? Probably not if I'm going to be treated like that. So although he was working in the, the, the factory part of it and he was working on a fork truck, he is still in sales because everybody is representing your brand and everybody can learn to communicate the values of your business better. Um, that's the biggest challenge that we face and people don't realize it because they only look at they're the sales guys let's give them some sales training which then it falls over on the back end where the best place to make money is for your existing clients right and treating them well yeah definitely i had a similar experience at the start of the year with um changing over uh, our car it was coming up to a few years and had to change it over and went in there my husband's a tradie went in and um you know, he had the sort of high-vis shirt on. They made an instant judgment about him mm. before that even started. They didn't even realise he because he pulled up in his work ute. They didn't realise we had the other car um, and they made an instant judgment about him and essentially lost a very big sale and we ended up buying from a completely other brand when all we were doing was upgrading to the latest yeah, wow. model and they lost it completely because, um, you know, there was no follow through in the service department. The sales team let everyone down. And that was a brand that was locally trusted on the Gold Coast for many years. And they recently sold out to new management and um, now essentially damaging that reputation of that brand that had been built up over a, a long period of time. So well, that's what they say, don't they? It takes, takes five years to build a reputation and five minutes to break it. Um, and you're the phrase that we always say, you're forever building on and or repairing your first impression. So we've got clients in our online training, again, as you guys know, that have been with us for two or three years. Um, we say that you haven't 
made a sale until somebody buys from you a second time. So what I see goes wrong. The car, the car is a great example of this because you get um, a three-year lease or, or whatever it is or a finance package. And then a month before your package is due to expire, they give you a call and go, hey, hey, Deb, how are you going? Just touching base. Just wanted to see how everything... No, you're trying to make a secondary sale. I know exactly what you do because I've just popped up on your CRM system. That totally... Um, is not respecting the intelligence of your consumer. We live in a sophisticated world right now. Um, we live in a more educated consumer generation than ever before. Um, and what we teach is the touch points that build value over the course of that relationship, whether it be three months, three years or 30 years, you still do it periodically. You're not just touching base just to make a sale. You're touching base because it's the right thing to do. Um, and you're doing it because you want to add more value and get feedback to it so you can improve your services. So the, the car that... The, yeah, don't get me talking. That's why I love coaching car salespeople because they can see phenomenal results really quickly with some tiny, tiny changes. Yes, it's the car salesman, the real estate agents, the, you know. The, the English sales trainer on the Gold Coast <laughs> <laughs> that, that wears a scarf indoors. My experience has been quite good because every time my car gets serviced, they ring up, they ask for feedback on what my experience was like. That's good. Did we train them? I haven't <laughs> <laughs> going to mention names. We'll have that, no, we'll have that chat no. offline. Yeah. <laughs> no brand representation. So um, what are the things that you have learnt throughout, um, I guess, being mentored by the Sharks that you may have done differently in the benefit of hindsight? Um, I think playing defensively is a, is a big one, um, which I, I guess with, with you guys, I mean, um, that's why... We need businesses like yours around because you have the the I don't want to say the the non enjoyable conversations, but it's the it, it's the it's the conversation that we don't want to have. It's this the it's that this is enjoyable, yeah. But it's the it's the real part of business, right? The enjoyable part is making sales, marketing, building websites, social media, all of that. What you guys do but is it depends who you're asking if that's enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, but for me, what you guys do, I'd never really thought about it. Um, and it was only when the, the Sharks came on board that they were asking if we had um, um, risk mitigation policies in place, if we got health and, um, health and safety procedures in place, if we got um, all of our employment law. Like, I don't know, Steve. We're, like, we're just trying to run a business here, mate. Just trying to, just giving it a go. Like, that's the reality. I think there'll be a lot of business owners out there right now, if they're really honest, we had an idea, we gave it a go, it got bigger than we thought, and now all of a sudden we don't have policies in place that we should. Um, and as we scale, you can self-implode very, very quickly. Um, we did it with our with our academy. Um, we, we had to make it, we, we stopped for six weeks. We stopped selling our online training program because... And Glenn, Glenn picks up on it really quickly. He said, you guys are going to, you're going to self-implode here. You, you're actually going to bring on more people than you can service. Um, you're going to make front-end revenue. You're going to get complaints on the back end because they're not getting serviced the way they should be. And he made us stop selling for six weeks so that we could then build the infrastructure behind it to support the new people coming in. Um, and when you're in early stage, we're about four years in at that stage, but I'm still class that as early stage, um, when you stop selling for six weeks, that's a big freak out. Um, but it was the best thing that we ever did because now all of those people are now rolling into a second year. They're using as a game because they got the service that we, um, that we promised on the front end. So, um, I think from, from our perspective, um, yeah, playing, playing defensively, making sure we've got all of the insurances that we need in place. Um, making sure that it's it's front of mind so every month have so we do our 30 60 90 day um, conversation so i sit down now and i have conversations every week um 
just a, a quick half an hour with head of marketing, head of operations, head of finance, head of accounts, head of admin, head of sales. Um, every Friday, my Friday morning is just wrapped up with all of that. So the, the communication side of things, which is I just assumed that my team knew stuff. I just like, I don't, I don't know why I, I did that. Um, but um, I think it was Glenn. Glenn said, you, you have to treat them as though they know nothing and treat them as though they forget it every single week as well. So constantly resetting around what our targets are, what our KPIs are, what our mission is, um, role play, repetition around our values um, and, and making sure that we keep hammering all of that home. So they're, they're the sort of main things that I've, I've taken from them. And then also... Um, I think leverage, understanding the power of putting yourself into the right place at the right time, being recent and frequent. Um, we know that the law of familiarity suggests that people will do business with businesses that are most recent, frequent, front of mind and adding value. I've had to get over my own sort of debilitating fear of this type of thing, going on camera, um, standing on stage to put the business at the forefront and get the message out there because you can't sell a secret. Um, and I was, we were a secret. We, we were the best kept sales training secret where if our mission was truly to impact the world and change, change the perception of sales, I needed to be comfortable in, in getting out there. So they, they did that by actually forcing us into the market and, and actually showing us that it can work, which they, they, they all did with Shark Tank, right? That, that was a marketing tool. Like we know that, that less than 10% of deals that were, that were made on the show, I think it's 9%, actually went through. Wow. So most deal, over 90% of deals that get offered on the show fall over, um, which is why we're so proud of the fact that we kept all three. So the chances of keeping all three were, were little to nothing, um, but we did. But that was a marketing tool and they put themselves out there to do that because it builds brand, it builds recognition and it builds credibility. So as a business, I believe in 2020, we need to be comfortable doing it the same way you guys are doing this right now as well. So with your 14 day swish challenge, which Ainsley and I were Proud to be part of the uh, inaugural one. You were, yes. Where did that idea come from? Is it, did that come out of the pandemic? <laughs> it, it did, yeah. It was a bit of a play on the, uh, the isolation days, the 14-day. Um, but we last minute, we changed it from being called an isolation challenge. We just called it the 14-day swish sales challenge. Um, and, and the idea was that people are obviously isolated right now. They're at home. They're getting their commute time back. So um, we did a bit of research with our clients and, and it worked out on average, people were saving about 40 to 45 minutes a day. Um, and then in one of our uh, creative meetings that we do every Friday, I said, well, what can we fill this 45 minutes with for them? They've got all this time back now because what we do with that is important, right? That we've just been, it's a gift. I was like, why don't we create a challenge where for 15 to 45 minutes every single day for the next 14 days, if they're in isolation, we teach them the fundamentals of sales, negotiation, communication, body language, emotional intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we did it. And then the first thing we did was put a deadline on it. So we, we had the idea and then we gave it a deadline, which is of paramount importance because otherwise it would have kept getting pushed back. And we called it the 20th of April. Um, and it gave us less than 10 days in the end to actually get it built. And bearing in mind, my everybody's working externally. So I've got a camera set up in my house. Um, I'm filming everything myself i'm then sending it over via dropbox to my videographer um who's then downloading audio to rev.com or something um, and then putting it all together and then marketing girls creating this beautiful marketing collateral and we did and we pulled it all together and we had almost 700 people register for what we wanted was was 50 people to beta test it and we thought we'll just iron out a few creases see how it goes there's things that are going to go wrong things that will go well 
um, and it just blew up. Um, and what that's actually done for us, Deb, is it's made us realize that there's a demand for short, know when I'm going to start, know when I'm going to finish education. And we're actually changing our model a little bit because as you know, our Swish Academy is a 12 month program. Now we've started to create 14 day challenges, which the second one has gone crazy as well. And now we've got a 60 day stretching program that we're actually going to officially release next week. Um, so know when you're going to start, know when you're going to finish. And people, people like that because there's, there's an end point in sight. We spoke about the light at the end of the tunnel. And then people that want to go all in and have as hold their hand, um, then the Swish Academy is still there for a 12 month sort of um, program as well. So yeah, that's where, it, that's where it came from. So you're going to keep that running, the 14 day challenge? Yeah, so we're on our second one now um, and we're going to do it every two months. Um, so we're going to kind of build some excitement around it. Um, and, the, and the idea is to, to get around about 300 to 350 people in each one. Um, I think, as you guys know, I was up till midnight, one, two in the morning, replying to all of the comments. So every single time a comment comes in, because uh, it's in a private Facebook group, I get a notification um, and you, you almost feel guilty. You know, when I spoke about responsibility, I feel that that was, that was my baby. Um, and I'm, I, I said to you guys, I'll be there for you every step of the way. Like you go all in, I'll go all in. What I didn't expect was hundreds of people to go all in. Um, and what that then meant was, and bearing in mind that went all around the world, you would have seen there was people in Sweden, England, um, America, Canada. So 24 seven, there was notifications going off. So I wanted to reply to every single message. Second time round, I've managed the expectations better and told people I will endeavor to reply to as many as possible. Yeah. But what has happened and what I'm loving about the community that we've created in there is that the likes of you guys that were in the previous challenge, you're now watching the new people in it. Um, and you're now coaching the new people because you've already learned what they're, the questions they're asking. So you become my coaches for me. It's, Bloody genius if I do say so myself. <laughs> Humble as well. <laughs> so Certainly push me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. We're not from sales or marketing background, so it was actually good to um, change our perception on what we think sales is. Yeah, um, and that's the important part, isn't it? Because um, you, you do come in with, a, with an idea of what it's going to be like, um, and all we ask is you just have an open mind. If you have an open mind to to a different way of selling, like a relationship trust-based approach, I think you come out of it pleasantly surprised and um, without putting words in your mouth, it's, it's not just sales, right? It's, it's, it's life um, without being, I don't want to be a life coach. I don't want to be a motivational trainer, but um, the, the, every, getting your headspace right, getting your daily structure right, having your goals and your vision right, that will equate to you increasing your sales and growing your business anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was quite beneficial as well. And I know you touched earlier on um, risk and risk mitigation. Um, do you have to do any risk reporting and how do you kind of manage risk within um, the business and also with your um, sort of advisory board mentors? And is it something that um, you bring up regularly with the team on risk of execution on your strategic vision? Um, yeah, we do. Yeah. So with, with the team, we do a, so as in my internal team, so not the, not the investors, but with an, as an internal team, we do a quarterly, um, sort of reset. So a 90 day reset where we go through everything, which includes, um, risk and um, which includes vision, which includes, um, li literally down to how many people we need in each program for us to achieve the target that has been set by our investors and, and also me, um, with the investors, we just do a, a shareholders report every 30 days. Um, which includes includes all of that as well. So they they've got their finger on the pulse, but um, I think 
that side of things, people think it needs to be really complex um, and they don't want it. Like the reality, I mean, Steve Baxter, for instance, he's got 31 companies in his portfolio. Um, he owns um, 13% of our business now. Um, they, they all do, they own 13% each. So we're, we're small fish to him, um, but the, the economies to scale of our business are huge because it's a, a SaaS product, because it's, it's online training, right? So he's got a vested interest. He wants to know, but he wants it to be very, very simplistic. So what's your, um, what's your budget to actual um, every single month? Um, what does HR look like? Have you added anybody? Have you taken anybody away? Simple P&L, um, a pull of a spreadsheet, and, um, and they're happy. Whereas when they first came on board, I was just writing paragraphs and paragraphs. So first week went well. Um, everybody seems to be enjoying it. Great. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and, and I think, again, if we're really vulnerable, like you don't. I'd never raised capital before. Um, I'd never run a business before until this business. So um, what I would implore people to do if they feel the same is, is reach out to people like yourself that, that specialize in this because there's nobody, there's, well, there's not enough people out there teaching what you guys teach. Um, and I think sometimes we have our pride hat on where we don't want to ask for help. Um, and now I'm, and I, I used to be that person um, because I also used to think if I ask it, I'm going to look stupid because it must be something that everybody knows. And usually when you ask those questions, um, I know for me, Steve, Andrew and Glenn, every time I ask that, they've told me directly, they've got more respect for me now because I asked. Um, because if I'd have gone out and tried and figured it by myself, I'm just actually reducing the speed of which we, we grow. Yeah, so absolutely. Ask questions. And I think too, um, eh, what we find a lot in sort of what we do is people don't know what they don't know. And so it almost becomes a educational piece to businesses around, you know, corporate governance and how regulatory changes impact each of those underlying mm. um, areas of the business and also how to focus on non-financial emerging risks as well. Mm. Um, and really try and drill it down to those in in each industry, in each business, and it have it so it's tailored to the size and nature of that business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's part of looking up and out, right? Like that's one of the strategies that you need to be looking up and out for. Like any sort of legislation changes that are going on, you guys are the experts, and your 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 down and in is to look for those types of things anyway, because that is your business. But my down and in is to focus on my business, my market, my customers, not legislation changes, um, any sort of compliance that's changing behind the scenes. So you guys bring that to life and go, hey, look, I can see that you've just moved into that area. That's really, really smart. I think it's going to work for you. Just be aware of X, Y, Z. Um, and sometimes you just need somebody to show you a red flag of the, <laughs> the holes that you might be going down. And that, that's what those guys do, right? That's what, um, and, and that's why I think you guys are, are fantastic as well. It's important. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, for, a lot of people find it rather boring content, but we have a passion for governance. If you can make it exciting. Yes. Well, I think that's um, all we have time for today on today's episode of Wise Up. But thank you so much, Ryan, for joining us and um, sharing about ISR training and the Swish sales methodology. It's been really exciting hearing about that and your experience on Shark Tank. And um, yeah. Good luck for your 2020 awards. We look, look forward to hearing about those. They'll probably be digital awards. We might not be able to get in a room. But guys, yeah, thank you sincerely for having me. And thank you for everything you've done for our company as well. Like you've definitely opened um, my eyes to a few things um, and hopefully stopped us making a few uh, poor decisions, which we were we were probably going to go down. So no dramas at all. Thanks, Ryan.
That's all for today. Until next time, happy podcasting. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, check out our other episodes and all things governance at www.threewiseowls.com.au.